When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Ford and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the iPhone, get grandma out of the spare bedroom, and let's listen to another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest. You almost got out of the basement. Out of the basement. <laughs> out of the freezer. Put your grandma in the basement for, Bob. Well, I don't know. I, let's tell everyone, I listen to old-time radio. I can't listen to CNN or the news or whatever. It just makes me crazy. Yeah. I started listening to old-time radio, and they start every episode with dun 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 Then you're just like, oh, my God, gather around the radio. Something important about to happen. Well, something important <laughs> is about that. We have Jordan Harbinger in here, but before I... Did I pronounce your name properly? Yeah, yeah. yeah nailed it. Uh, before I do, I want to remember our friends at the Integrity Card. Don't forget about them. Also, our friends at Heal, our friends at Heal, Heal.com. Uh, I, I have trouble getting people to believe the fact you can get a doctor with a board-certified, highly trained pediatrician, internist, family practitioner within two hours, guaranteed, Heal.com, $99, all in, or insurance. And copay. That's it. That's it. That's it. Why would you go to an emergency room? Why would you wait around and get exposed to sick people? Why would you pay for all that infrastructure you don't need? Why? That's because so wasteful. Because they've been brainwashed to believe I, it. I think that's right. And what you really want is the judgment of a well-trained professional. Boom. That's the most efficient Here's unit. the thing that's that it. demystifies doctors the most about, to my patients. And, and, and they don't prescribe opiates. They think all no, doctors... Listen to me. They do not prescribe opiates in our group. I'm sure group. they can't or they <laughs> get so many house calls. Right. They, but they, but <laughs> yeah. as a policy, we don't. Okay. But listen... I think everyone in America has been multi-generationally programmed to believe that doctors are super rich and make tons of Definitely. money. They don't. And they don't. No. And people are just shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. Plastic surgeons do. I get paid. I, 60 bucks. I, I get saw paid, the billing. I 60 get, bucks. 60? I get $36 for every 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes by, for Medicare. And then insurances pay, pay wow. accordingly. Maybe it's 38 something. It depends on the year. And that's it. That's it, and it's against the See, law what? to charge more. It's against the law to charge more, okay? That's ridiculous. And so people just can't believe when you cut out all no. the bullshit, oh, 60 was as a, a doctor will come to your house for 100 bucks. Oh, the, that's it. Oh. That, that's a house call thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. I'm yeah. never going to the doctor again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why would you? It takes me 45 minutes to drive there. Why would you? They'll come yeah. to you within two hours guaranteed. The time value of money for me going to the doctor and then paying even 25 and bucks understand, for it's cost me like 200 if bucks. If the doctor can make $60 every 30 minutes, let's say his or her per per portion of that fee is 60 bucks right or whatever 70 bucks that's 140 dollars an hour that is big money for a general practitioner sure. general doctor because there's no overhead there's no nurses there's no staff there's no billing that's all that usually at but, least half of what you're earning goes into that maybe three quarters but, but you you get, people don't be- remember what doctors used to I do know, they I used know. to come to your house all the time and i you did that paid for years them, and you paid this them. was not my we're talking about generations <laughs> earlier <laughs> this, this is way I, before you i was talking to them at heel today and i just said look 
this is not something new. This is something old. We're going back yeah. the way it always has been yeah. supposed to be. So anyway, I, I, and I've said enough about that. Doctor, Facebook Live. Doctor House calls for me were, are on TV shows. <laughs> and then the integrity card is cool too in that you're able to set aside money for people say early in recovery. We did an interview with the guy that set this up. And you can control what they spend it on. Yeah. So they can't use it at liquor stores. They can't. It's very. That's why it's they called it, the integrity. Yeah, use it for food, and you can monitor. You get a feedback on what they're spending on it. When you want to help somebody in recovery, but you don't want to hand them money because you never know. If you're say the parent of a millennial who's so yeah. codependent with your 30 year old son, yeah, don't put you might 2, want this card. Yeah, <laughs> right. Don't don't jack up the amount on the integrity card too much. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. So so Jordan, uh, let me read you what I have here because this is a nice little intro. Entrepreneur, talk show host, world-renowned social dynamics expert, co-founder of The Art of Charm, which is one of the leading self-development programs in the world. He is also host of The Art of Charm podcast, Forbes, Success Magazine, Inc. Magazine, all called him, and Tony Robbins called him one of the 25 people that can change your life. Wow. Tony Robbins didn't call me that. I was in an article with him on that. I'm pretty sure he doesn't call me anything. (laughs) (laughs) I think think he calls me that kid who keeps bugging my PR people. And, and tell people yeah. about The Art of Charm before we get into stuff. Mm. So The Art of Charm essentially, well, one, it's a podcast where I interview people like yourself. And and uh, today I interviewed Jay Moore, who you may or may not know. You know no, him? very well. Yeah. And uh, Did you did you speak the whole time or did you just jiggle? I just sat there and, <laughs> and ate a bagel. No, but uh, he actually, I didn't know this, he listens to Art of Charm as well. So yeah. he was just talking about other, other things. But I, what we like to do is take successful people, incredible people, and dissect what they do that makes them successful in so far as I can, and then have them translate some of that for the audience. So you get people like uh, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal is on the show, and he talked about how he makes tough decisions because I asked him, look, how do you trust anybody? You've been famous since you were, I don't know, 17 years old or 14. How do you know who you can trust besides your mom who doesn't know anything about business and basketball? And so he has a panel. He talked about how he sets up a panel of people that he trusts and how each of those people is uniquely qualified to give him certain types of advice. And then they get together all the time and they hash out important decisions. So these have been people that that have proven to be successful. Fully and, useful to him, or, and, and if somebody somebody has an interest in it, yeah. say you know you don't want to ask your lawyer, should I sue that guy? Because the answer is sure, yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so he asked his manager, mm-hmm. his mom, his uncle, and his lawyer, and a couple of other coaches, what do I do about this? And generally, if there's any dissent, you kind of he explained that you look for why that might be. This is Shaq. You don't expect this from Shaq. Why there might be dissent, and then they can sniff out. Okay, like who's got the incentives where? And if everybody's in one room. It's a lot harder to manipulate somebody when you have five trusted people in one room it's talking in, about it. It's interesting to me how it's all about uh, the incentives to him. See, yeah. To me, I, I wouldn't think that way, which is kind of an interesting thing. I, I would think in I would think in terms of what is their perception. You know, is there a distortion? Why did they think yeah. the things they did? Uh, incentives being one of them, maybe. But yeah. it's a low. It'd be a low priority for me. It's interesting. That's the primary one in his case. That was I, the I, one he I, may be right. By the way, that I, was the one I remember. It doesn't yeah. mean it was the number one okay. thing for him. That right, was the one enough. I remember. But, but that, yeah. to me, that probably means that he's been taken taken a few times by people's yeah. incentives. That's why that became emerged as a priority for him. I don't think you can be famous and and for that long as long as he has as visible as he is. Yeah. And he's a friendly person, too. Yeah, that's, I know. So you can't really not have somebody try to take advantage of that in the 20 years, 20-plus oh, years easy. that he's been famous. Oh, my God. A-list famous. Yeah. yeah. A-list famous. So there's no way you get, away, you get off clean on that. 
Somebody came to him with a movie idea where he'd be a genie. I was, I thinking, remember I was that. thinking about that. Shazam. I don't know, I don't know what the sense is on that. No, you know what I was yeah. thinking? I was thinking when he decided to do that, it, to me, he must have gone, oh man, I don't have any instincts. I got, can't trust my Oh, instincts. maybe that's what created the. Maybe that's why that channel got that's created. That's what my head did. I did that. That's yeah. the math I did. So, where did you come up with the idea of the art charm? So, when I was in law school, I was. Well, when I was a kid, I was always kind of coasting in school, and I thought, okay, well. I just have to show up and pay attention, and I can teach myself this stuff on exams. And then when I got to college, uh, everybody was smarter than me, or as smart as I was, but they were all busy drinking their face off, so I just worked instead, and I could outwork them. And same thing in law school. But then when I got to Wall Street, everybody was smart, and everybody was willing to outwork everybody else. So I lost my competitive advantage. Any competitive advantage I had at that point evaporated. And the guy that hired me, his name was Dave he was never in the office. And one day he took me out for coffee because HR basically made him do that. They were like, you have to mentor this kid because we got to check off the box that says you mentored someone. So he took me out for coffee and he's like, oh, ask me anything you, wanna, you want. And he thought I was going to ask him about derivatives or something. And I said, how come you're never in the office but you're a partner? I don't understand. So he explained to me that he makes all these networking connections and he brings in a lot of clients for the firm. And I thought, okay, I need to learn how to do that because if I figure that part out, then nobody will figure out that I'm like the dumb guy here who can't, fi- who doesn't have his stuff together. So you always have some value that the other guys don't have. Right. And I figured it's going to take other, other junior associates like five years to figure out they need to bring in clients, right. at which point I will have been doing this for five years and right. I'll have a time advantage. And then I started working on networking skills and taking all these classes on sales and things like that. And what I found was that if people like you and they want to do business with you, that's that's how you bring in clients and sales. It's a large, it's a lot easier than people think. It's B- not business is relationships. It's right? relationships. And Dale Carnegie. People still say that's the most important class yes. they ever. Did you take it, that one? It, I did, <laughs> and it's funny because that was sort of the the genesis of the art of charm. Was I took a Dale Carnegie class and then I took another one, another one, and I thought, okay, I've learned how to give firm handshakes, look people in the eye. Did you tell me you had public speaking stuff. problems too? You had difficulty um, posing? Was that you? If, it, it, I don't know if I it, did. It was because somebody told me they took the Dale County and they were mortified about getting up. And uh, they ended up by the end, they, they, the, the, they were so reinforcing rather than, mm. than negative that it built them into a public speaker. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that that was maybe... so. That, 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 here's my experience in some way. But the problem that I had with Dale Carnegie was... I'm, I realized at some point that if I was – if people don't like you, it's not because you don't remember their kid's name or you don't have a firm handshake. And that was what I was learning at Dale Carnegie. Mm. And I thought, this is great, no. but this isn't really the root of the problem. If people don't like you, it's not because of your handshake. It's not because, oh, you, you uh, didn't remember my kid's name because they teach you the memory palace where it's like you're walking through the house and you see this and you can remember your kid plays tennis. Forget all that. Yeah. If, if there's another reason they don't like you, it's much more nuanced, and you can't teach it to a room full of 20 people in one hour a week at the YMCA. Right. You just can't. Right. So you don't. You get them from zero to 25 out of 100, and then everyone goes, Dale Carnegie's amazing. And it is. It's better than nothing. And let me hang a little lantern on the, on the memory palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Weekly Infusion, we have a guy that's a memory expert, and he gives the whole how you do the memory palace yeah. thing, which is a crazy technique for memory. But go ahead, finish up. It is a good technique. Yeah. And, and so I, I just decided to look at the nuances. Yeah. And I, I talked to really great salesmen and things like that, and they're like, yeah, 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 firm handshake, great eye contact, doesn't matter. Here's what some of these other things that are happening, and it was body language, nonverbal communication, persuasion, and influence techniques that are really subtle, that are not devious, they're not dirty, they're not weird. And, and neurolinguistic process, NPL uh, type there's stuff? There's a little or? bit of NLP, but that stuff ended up being more creepy than useful. Yeah. It was more like, 
these are not the droids you're looking for, yeah. but in this <laughs> real life kind of way where you're, when people do it to you, you just go, hey, you're being really transparent <laughs> with this influence stuff and yeah. I want you to stop. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, when the, the stuff they teach is like, people will like you if you keep saying their name. And it's like, hi, Bob. Nice to meet you, Bob. Where are you from? Bob, Bob. <laughs> Good to see you. And you're just like, why do you keep saying my name right now? Oh, it's a technique. Get yeah. away from me. I don't like this guy. Yeah, yeah. It's it not actually, genuine. It, it black and, and genuine is something that people are looking for, too, by it, the way. It is. It, I it, found this in therapy school. So they had oh, yeah. this, it, they had this uh, body language class. Yeah. A guy came in to teach us what to do with our hands when we're on a one-on-one. Wow. You know what I mean? Oh, cool. To f- so when you say, blah, 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 and I, I, ref- I rephrase ways, and I reframe yeah. it, and I use the frame signal, yeah. I go, cool. any junkie's going to spot that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I hear you saying, Jason, is <laughs> like, what what'd you just do with your hands? Yeah, yeah why well, are you that's a frame. And, and it's not like my brain is really thinking. Wow, How do that's like a frame. People make money. It's what I don't understand. Yeah, but, but to be fair, to be fair, our right brain does pick up on all kinds of signals that our aware conscious brain does not, under any circumstance, get. And it reaches a place that you can't get through through language and. What about things that have been around long before Dale Carnegie, like genuineness and honesty, yeah, I'm, well, I'm with you on that. and integrity, yeah. and you know what I yeah. mean? How about those? Just do those. You'll probably be all right. And I agree with that. I think the difference in where, where sort of our philosophy at The Art of Charm came in was a lot of people have trouble being genuine they and authentic really do. around because of other things they've been forced to do or forced not to do. So it's like when you go on a date with somebody or you're, someone goes, what do I do? And you go, be yourself. What you're really saying is... Relax. Relax. <laughs> be the person you are when we're hanging out in my living room, yeah. watching football or but something like that. I think some of them don't even have themselves. I, I agree with That's that. That's something really weird. I agree with that. No, it's emptiness. I yeah. always just say be honest. So a lot of people ask me because they're newly sober. They're going to go on a date with a girl who's newly sober. And they ask me, what should I say? I say, say you're nervous. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Say yeah, this is weird. Yeah. can be disarming and yeah. charming and, in its own way. And see what they say. And but, then you but react to what they're saying. You're at something in terms of not having anything genuine to say. Is If you've not had adequate uh, attunement during your childhood, you don't connect to your genuine spontaneous self at all. So all you feel is sort of empty. And that's, that's a lot of what we're dealing with these days. Oh, that sounds a lot. really horrible. <laughs> it does. I, I, had, I had a big dose of that. I, in yeah. therapy, it all healed up. But Let's was, just say you're dealing with people that are slightly fucked up looking for a solution. We're dealing with people that are multiplicity of fucked yeah. up. Yikes. Yikes. You know what I mean? So I just realized, you know, I'm always wondering, why do I get such crap on social media? And I, I, I do things genuinely and honestly. I try to help. So, and I thought, and it just occurred to me as you were saying that I had this thought before. It's that I'm a physician, a doctor, and so they have all kinds of stuff about doctor. They're bringing, shooting at me. They shoot at their preconceived anger and whatever notions about doctor gets superimposed on me. So I don't get to be. Idealized doctor. I think there's this. Or whatever it is, it does not work. Let me frame it. (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't allow people to respond to me when I'm being honest and forthright. And, huh. and what, about th- what I get back is, you know, <laughs> a lot of stuff. And, and and so, is there any advice for how to get past that? That's or interesting. Call so, it out, I guess. Call it out, and and I mean, I think the. It depends on how you're handling it now. It's probably really hard because it probably surprises you. Oh, it's shocking! But all but the time. The, uh, uh, shocking. But why, the way I do it is, I've realized because I'm doctor to them, I'm not supposed to have an opinion, and I'm only supposed to be of service and not ask for anything in return. So if I ask them to do something, like, hey, go to heal.com, they're like, screw you. 
Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the, except if I say, "Look, he was really, really good. You're really going to help you. I promise." Okay, well, maybe. So. I think maybe framing the co- and again, this is you've done this for. I, I haven't figured out the solution. You I, haven't figured out the no. solution. Oh, that's fine when I'm giving when I'm giving yeah. stuff, which I'm happy to do. But if I ask for something or offer an opinion, they have them in a box. That's I've been watching it for twenty years. He, they have them in a box. And he, Drew doesn't doesn't respond well to boxes. <laughs> yeah, nor am I. So, nor am I that. I'm, so I, when he's, huh. he goes outside the box of what they think, and here's where I think why it is about doctors. Eventually, all of us are going to be. Our life is going to depend on a doctor yeah. saving yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And so we want to think of them in some otherworldly way. Yeah. We don't want them to be human or make mistakes mm. or 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 have different opinions than we do. Okay. We want to have them say, you have stage four cancer, but we're going to take care of it. It's all going to be all right. So You know what I mean? Yes. So ultimately, I think that's what fuels the whole idealization so, of doctors. Something in there. Something, something in, in there. there. Yeah. Do you think that the people that come to see you are willing to do, or that they think they're willing to do the work, or do you think they come in expecting you to do the work? In, in treatment? Yeah. Well, treatment, I'm, they're fine. I'm talking about sort of out in the world and social media and stuff oh, like that. Oh, really? Yeah. That, in treatment, no, no, huh. no. In treatment, they're there. They, usually, it's, it's on the order of, I, I don't care, just help me. Whatever, sure, just yeah, help. like I'm you at know, the bottom. Here. Yeah, just help me, and and then when they see that we're containing and holding, and we can help them, fine. But out in the and world, then when we, but then there's a certain point where the kid has to go home. Yeah, right? that's not so good. Thirty days, sixty <laughs> oh, days, man. ninety days. Then they start. Well, you guys are on TV, and you give yeah. me, you know, well, and I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. We love that's you. So we weird. care about you. It's well, the, that's, their that's fear the of disconnecting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it's a strange phenomenon about I've watched with you over yeah, the years. Yeah. It's very and unpleasant. And really get shocked by it, it a lot it, of times. It's time. very unpleasant, yeah. That is shocking. So you, so the, is it the patients that you've had in no, re- treatment? No, 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 no. no. It's These media. are random a-holes it's social online. media. Social These media. people it's, it's social media. Right Maybe now. Facebook can help us. Tell them to respond. Yeah, get some questions up. What are they actually Actually, doing and saying because at some level, you're exploiting. Your you're a shill. You're a, you know, distrust. Well, no, deep I distrust. Well, they, here's here's I something. Let's just get right in the belly of the beast right now. You were in this culture. You are totally carte blanche to go on television and criticize Trump as much as you want. Call him a narcissist, mm-hmm. an imbecile, whatever you want. But criticize Hillary Clinton, and you will be crucified. I have noticed that as well. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't, do, I'm not. How a, do we save ourselves from that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's that group. It's that group that's it, going after it, me. Too, it is that group. Yeah. yeah. I've I've noticed that too. I'll tell you what. I interviewed uh, Scott Adams, who we were talking about before. He's yeah. the creator of Dilbert, and he's a Trump supporter. I am not a Trump supporter. I'm not also. I'm not either. I, I had no just real so weird, I'm, I'm super moderate middle. I can yeah. see. I'm, I'm looking for common ground. You're a little left. <laughs> I'm left, but yeah. I wouldn't vote but, for either one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, but, but just that's where we all are. It. Got it. Got it. I just didn't want to get it. I'm like, no. let's not no, go down I, that. Totally. I got criticized. People um, would criticize me because I wouldn't back Hillary. Sure. Right? Of course. And I have a lot of influence. I have an influence with 1,300 people. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Well, now that we but, know what the margin was, a lot of people care even more, right? Could have been you and ten other I could have twisted, yeah, ten other rockers could have, could have flipped it, could have flipped Wisconsin. Um, so you end up with this. Uh, so I interviewed Scott Adams, and he was talking about uh, you know Trump was using these particular techniques, and here's how Trump uses persuasion and things like that. And people thought that that was interesting. 
But on iTunes, I looked at my latest negative reviews, and it was like, I can't believe you let this guy go on and talk right. positive things about Trump. Right. You're a alt, you're alt right now, or right. something. I, and I, I interviewed I interviewed Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh yeah, radio. how did that go? It was fascinating. But I mean, online, horrible. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can imagine the amount. Terrible. Of- I'm a, I'm and particularly for some reason the feminist community came out for me, and I again. I am willing to. Ch- I love my mind being changed. Mm-hmm. I'm an asset, everybody. Help me focus. Do a better job. Yeah. Don't destroy me. Help me do a better job. Yeah, that's all. And, and it, it's weird. It's, we, a, it's a crazy time I, we're I, living. I, in. I think it's a modern guillotine. That, it it, that, it, it is a weird sort of uh, need to destroy that's out there. It's now. it's strange though because you know you'll have a guy like that on the right and then. Uh, and he's not even that far to the right. He just was talking about something he, he, he thought says, the president he, was doing. He says Milo says insane things and in backs. Milo is in, does yeah. insane yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. But he, but he's not insane. He's got interesting ideas and he has he just he has reasons. He says things. It's like all right, okay. Yeah. Let's switch Don't agree to the middle it, now. Let's switch to the middle now. I heard Bloomberg speaking. Amazing thing he said. He said, "Let's just look at the two slogans they came up with." Trump had the word America in it. All of us are Americans. Mm-hmm. Great. Everybody loves to be great. Everybody wants Again, to be great. Again, who cares? By that time, you're not looking at the <laughs> yeah, words. Yeah, I'm already done. America and great were in great. there. What was on the other side? I'm with her. Kind yeah. of a narcissistic, weird statement. Almost, almost, I'm almost with her. Almost making you childlike. Yeah. That's my yeah. mommy. I'm with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so oh, he funny. said, you know, just look at those two slogans. Like, well, could, but that, I would also argue that that recent thing in Georgia, that recent thing where the Republican won in Georgia. Oh is, yeah, is, the, immediately Democrats went into okay. Well, what's our we we got the strategy wrong? As opposed to, I started thinking, no, it's it's your it's your negative rhetoric that yeah. gives us Donald Trump. It's why we have a Trump. It's people are tired of being told they're bad and they yeah. need the thought police and the just. It's an opportunity for a Democratic Party to really come up with something positive. It, it really could. And I, because I, I, because I'm on neither side, to. I could see both. Can't they, seem to. they can't get out of their own way. When I was younger, I, I was always mystified. Where were you raised? Uh, Michigan. Oh, which is sort of like blue collar Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Well, not anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> what you happened know? to your neighborhood? I don't even know. I don't even know. A lot of people just decided I'm not going to vote. Well, yeah. that's what happens when you don't do that. So I was raised, and I remember uh, when I was in college, I I had a girlfriend. Her family was like a little more religious or something. And they used to listen to, what was the guy's name? Rush Limbaugh, I think. It was either him or Glenn Beck or both, probably both. And I remember listening to that and thinking, wow, this guy, you know, what they were saying is, you know, we're this and all those other people are that. And I thought, wow, that's really divisive. It makes no sense. And then I listened to NPR thinking, we're going to, he- let me hear this from the other side. You Same. don't get the other side. What NPR says is, we're awful. And I'm thinking, if I was really not thinking critically about this, I would much rather listen to Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck tell me how great I am and how much everyone else well, sucks, it, it's, it, rather than NPR tell me how much I suck. It occurred to me today that maybe Bob, you could you could help and put a light on this because you I give you crap yeah. about being the antisocial. When you're antisocial or sort of progressive, you need an authority to come up against. And if yeah. you're the, in the power, mm. you you you're tilting at windmills now. You're creating things. To make us all bad, so you've got something to, to tilt against. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of. I, yeah, I, I'm not I, sure. I totally I, follow you. Actually, in other words, so so. Um, well, well, try, well, Ryan has admitted it. We're good at being the oppositional party. Yes, we're not you, good you, at you being have, the party. Uh, yeah. You have to oppose sure. something, and if there's nothing there to oppose, you have to create something to oppose. Right. Sure. And, and that starts to get tiresome. I think, and I think that, that's what they're I into. I think in yeah. the last twenty years, other than Obamacare, I think everything talked about is kind of. 
details. More, it's about the opposition. Yes, and the and the real policy is the, ah, it's the details. It looks yeah, the, the rather pra- than the, the details the, are why we're arguing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, let's, let's not get in the weeds. No, we should get in the weeds. This is tax policy. The let's, prag- pragmatic reality of helping Americans does not seem to be a priority at all. That's it. At all, but yeah. So I agree in, with that. So you created the art of charm because we didn't finish the story. I don't think. Right. So I, I wanted to get down to brass tacks about what makes people persuasive, able to generate networks and relationships. And Dale Carnegie sort of left me at firm handshakes and smiles. And I yeah. thought that's not the real. That's not the real thing. Yeah. That I need to go from yellow belt to black belt if I'm going to make it in the law game. So I started studying psychology, persuasion, nonverbal communication, reading books like Cialdini's Psychology of Influence, and, and then going out and trying things and seeing what works in Cialdini's real life situations. Cialdini's sort of famous social psychologist wrote the Sentinel first big did book you ever, on this. Did you ever research this guy, that nonviolent communication, inclusive language? Oh, we, yeah, uh, that was so he's long a, He's ago, a New York psychologist. That's an interesting yeah. thing mm. that could be used that was a long so time much ago. now. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking Non-violent about. Nonviolent communication is yeah. something I kind of went into for a while. I, I, I started studying things like that, right? And, and applying them. And, and a lot of the books that I was reading, I would then discuss with my friends. And so I started going out and trying these things at night at, at uh, restaurants and bars and things like that and just talking with people to see if I could do it. And then I met my now business partner, and he wanted to go out and do it. And what we found was that a lot of women were interested in the things we were talking about because we were having these lo- long conversations about body language and vocal tonality mm-hmm. and eye contact. Mm-hmm. So then we started to meet up with – it was almost like a meetup group. And a bunch of women would meet us out almost every single night, different ones. They would tell their friends, hey, let's go out and talk about – these guys are people watchers, and we would point out people's body language and behavior. And then the guys would start to go, how come you're here five nights a week with like nine or 19 different women? Can we hang out with you? And so we started <laughs> teaching these guys for free, thinking this is a really useful skill set. And then we had guys going, look, I need you to show me this, and I need you to not be around a bunch of other people. I'll give you 500 bucks next weekend if you can show me this stuff in real life. And so me and my, my business partner, AJ, were like, all right, you got a deal. And then we, dis- we got sick of having the same conversations over and over, so we started recording MP3s and burning them to CDs and giving them to people and saying, listen to this and then meet us next week, and you'll have the basics down so we don't have to keep repeating ourselves. That's when uh, we started... How long ago was this? This what is 2006. Two- okay. So we started to think, like, this is going to get expensive because burning CDs are two bucks each, but whatever, they'll buy us a drink and we're even. And then he go- AJ, my business partner, says, look, there's this new thing called podcasting. We can upload what we're recording to the CDs and put them online, and then people who have iTunes can download it. So we started doing that, and that was 10 years ago, and that was the beginning of the Art of Charm podcast. And, and eventually, after a couple of short months, it turned into like dating stuff because we were 24, and that's what, or 26, that's what guys liked. So, no, that's where all male pro- priorities drift. Right. It's <laughs> like you can start age. off at that, that age. I want to feed the hungry. Biological like, reason dating. like that. Right. You could start off thinking, like, I need to build shelters for homeless people, and somehow it will turn into getting yeah. with women yeah. Yeah. in your 20s, yeah. no matter what. Why do you do Habitat for Humanity? There's tons of women there. Tons. <laughs> You know, no, you, st- you don't come right that's out. That's why I start with we're helping people. I saw so many. I saw the yeah. smiles on the children's face. And I gotta the, admit, the chick with the hammer. Look at these the women. Yeah. That's why I became a communist in college because the women were in the college. <laughs> you even have red hair. Communist. Still. That's communist how communist America. Oh, you're a red. You're growing giving, it out. He's giving subliminal messages. <laughs> about yeah, that. right there. That's right. It's like the Americans. But, but yeah, so what motivates somebody in their twenties is different in their thirties. Is yeah. different in their forties. So when you guys came up with it. 
I'm sure, because I started to see, this is going to be perverted for just how to pick up a girl. Definitely. You know what I mean? It immediately went there. It didn't take long at all, I will admit. And did so, Neil Strauss find you guys? Did he? he did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Did. And he started writing this book called The Game, which wasn't out when we were doing this. Have you gone to his dinner party? Oh, yeah, it's of course. It's so weird. Come on. I, Have you been there, Drew? Well, now he's corrected himself completely. Yeah, he's, oh, really? he's yeah. recovery now. Totally normal yeah. dude. Oh, in he many had ways. this thing at his dinner party oh, where it's all, all it's all influencers trying to influence each other. Oh, really? I've never been anything weird like that. I love I love Neil. He's super nice yeah. guy, yeah, super yeah. smart guy, and too. super smart guy. One of the gr- a great interviewer. He's got a new show with Gabrielle Reese called The Truth Barrel. Which also, is that on podcast one? I think so. It's also on podcast one, and it's really I think it's solid. I mean, he's a super sharp guy, and he wrote a new book with Kevin Hart. Is a oh, comedian. the puppy one? No. Uh, what is the book the called? It's with called the Puppy I- on the Cover. Oh, maybe it does have yeah. that. I haven't seen it. And Kevin's argument is who doesn't love puppies? And everybody loves me. So you put two things yeah, and everybody loves on the cover. It's called it was like, number yeah. one New York Times. Oh, that's for sure. It's recent. It just came out recently. It's <laughs> called like, I Can't Make the... that? He wrote it. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, he wrote it with Kevin Hart. I mean, he probably wrote it for Kevin Hart, if we're being honest. <laughs> so let me take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about kidnapping. <laughs> Hi, Dwight. Of course, you've heard me rave about these guys. It's a product that I actually wanted to develop myself. I, I conceived of this. I knew it was needed. It was already in Australia, and now it is here. It works. The feedback is unanimous. Even though it's great to use, though, when you're sick or dehydrated, you can use it every day, especially now that the weather is changing. It's hot. So whether you're exercising or maybe you've got seasonal allergies or you drank too much or you got vomiting or diarrhea, whatever it might be, you can reduce fatigue and keep feeling healthy as well. Once you've started feeling dehydrated, sometimes a little too late. So you want to stay hydrated. And rapid rehydration, if you do get dehydrated, requires a proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. And nothing provides it like hydrolyte. I'm telling you, it's the same as an IV fluid via your mouth, via your enteral system. It's based on established, proven science. Quite simply, the best rehydration product out there. It comes in great flavors. They have those fizzy tablets. Also, they have a powder and a premix drink. Compared to other sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugar. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow directions. All right, you can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or online at Amazon or click through at drdrew.com. And for a limited time, our listeners save 30% on Hydrolyte if you use the code D-R-D-R-E-W, Dr. Drew, H-Y at checkout. That is D-R-D-R-E-W-H-Y. 30% off. Great deal. Do it. Well, one of the great parts about working in recovery is seeing former patients successfully move on. And I've had patients that have come up to me years later and uh, shake my hand and say, you know, sometimes people are kicked out of treatment. And uh, many of these folks move on to become mental health professionals themselves. And, of course, the field of psychology is vast. The need for competent practitioners is huge. If you're considering this rewarding career, I urge you to consider the California School of Professional Psychology at Alliant University. Now, I've known them for a long time at Alliant University. I've spoken at their past events. It was founded in 1969. It's boasts an alumni network of nearly 50,000 people worldwide. And Alliant has fostered many of today's mental health pioneers, authors, and advocates. CSPP at Alliant University hosts both on-ground and online programs in business psychology, marriage and family therapy, clinical counseling. They also offer APA-accredited doctoral programs in clinical psychology that can allow for specialization in child psychology, clinical forensic psychology, and integrated psychology. And the faculty is crazy. It's made up of 
of leaders and historical figures like Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, Viktor Frankl, some of the true fathers of modern psychology. For more information, and I've worked alongside of these students as well, by the way, in the clinical setting as well as having lectured at the institution. So for more on the California School of Professional Psychology, CSPP, at Alliant, click the Alliant banner on our website or visit Alliant, A-L-L-I-A-N-T dot E-D-U, Alliant dot E-D-U. And we're, we're back. back. Yes, we're back. We're back. So kidnapping. Why is that relevant? I, I mean, because you asked me. That's mostly why. Come but, on now. Uh, how did you get kidnapped? Oh, okay. Why is it relevant? Uh, it's your life. Why to my we, life? Why would we, we be kidnapped bring, as a kid? Why would we be bringing up kidnapping? Yeah, yeah. As, as an adult. So the first, it's twice. And the first time I was twenty, and I, I was volunteering for a nonprofit in Mexico because of all the women, of course. Um, no, I don't really know why at that point. I was 20 years you speak, old. You speak Spanish. I, yeah, I'd be, back then. Now it's you pretty speak terrible. multiple languages, yes? Yeah. Uh, English, German, crappy Spanish, Serbo-Croatian, and Mandarin Chinese. How'd that happen? So when Mandarin, I, everybody yeah. needs to speak through. You need well, to I thought you were going to say everybody speaks. <laughs> but no, it, everybody needs to learn how to speak. You're a finance it. guy. I can understand yeah. why. Yeah, well, I started off on Wall Street for sure. But before, when I was in high school, I got really bored. I was starting to get in trouble. Yeah. So I wanted to be an exchange student, and I got put in the former East Germany. And so, speaking of communists, yeah, and Where? so uh, in in Halle, which is near Leipzig, mm. actually. Wow. And so I went there, and I thought, great, Germany, everyone speaks English, it's going to be awesome. Uh-oh. I show up, and everyone speaks a little bit of Russian and obviously German, <sighs> and they're rebuilding the whole area. Oh. And this is 1997. Wow. So I'm like, uh, this was not the Germany that I saw when I visited with my friend's mom and went to Blur- Munich or something for yeah. Oktoberfest. I thought that was what it was going to be like because <laughs> oh, I was a teenager. No. So I, I went there, I had a hard time adjusting, but after a while, I just started, I, I was in a public school, so I just oh. started learning German because I was around it all the time. Oh, and my God. I, I basically had a choice, go home in defeat or figure out learning German did and somebody, like, make some friends. Did, was there a German teacher? Did somebody no. help? Oh, my God, what did no. you do? I just learned from speaking German. <gasps> yeah. I had a translator, Rosetta electronic Stone? dictionary that didn't even exist. <laughs> So I had a little electronic dictionary that was for Germans to learn English, so the interface was all in German. Oh. And I would type in words I didn't know. And I mean, I would literally, you get used to hearing the sounds, then you can spell things, then you can write words out, and then you just spend hours every day, literally all day, looking up words you don't know until some of them stick. And then I, and I have a journal. I, I, I got to find this because it's at my mom's house. I have a journal where I used to write how much I hated being there because it would get out of my system. And in the middle of the journal, journal, I start writing about how I'm starting to have fun. And the end of the journal is all in German. Oh. And the beginning, of course, is all in English. How long English. were you there? 10 months. Oh, my 11 God. months. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and then, so I thought, languages are amazing. This is the funnest thing I've ever done. It's the most rewarding and challenging thing I've ever done. So then I went to Israel after that. Um, and I thought, I'm going to learn Hebrew, and it'll be really cool. I'll go to Israel. It's like this adventurous place. And there was a second uprising there. And I lived in Jerusalem. So my parents were like, we're, we haven't slept in a month. You have get, to come get home. Out of here, yeah. So I went home, but the semester was already well underway. I couldn't take any classes. So I went to Mexico because like, you could just start private Spanish lessons real fast. I went to Mexico and I volunteered with the nonprofit that I was doing the exchange with in Germany. And they just said, yeah, sure. Show up and you got a job. That's how you get jobs in Mexico, apparently, <laughs> especially for no money. So I showed up there and I, I, I said, where do, where do I live? And they were like, oh, we can't really find you a family. This is pre-Airbnb. This is 2000. So I'm, I'm 
just asking around for a house. And one of these women who had her friend has a place where her parents live and they, they, the roof has like a corrugated top and I can sleep on the top underneath, you know, another wow. corrugated top. So I'm sleeping on a roof in a barrio basically. Wow. And I got into a taxi one day and it turned out to be a fake taxi and the guy started driving me further and further out of town and I knew something was up, but I, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. Like this isn't happening. This isn't real. It's fine. I'm sure he's just driving around traffic and eventually i was like yo you gotta let me out i know something's wrong and he was like no relax i'm just asking for directions but i was going to the presidential palace to meet a friend so there's kind of like going to dc and saying white house and the cabbie goes let me drive you around town so i can ask for directions and this pre-mobile phone so there's no nav there's no he's not calling anyone i'm just sitting back there and i try to open the door and i can't i notice the door's locked on the inside so he stops in front of a bad gnarly looking building and i'm like you you cannot drop me off here. Just keep driving and I'll pay you. And he said, relax. I slide behind him because I was in the passenger side, but in the back seat. Slid behind him and I put my arm between him and the door. He didn't notice that. And I said, please just keep driving. And he said, fine, fine, relax, relax. Then he made a fast one for the door, but I had my arm there. So I pulled him back into a seat. When I was 20, all I did was work out and eat Mexican food. Okay, perfect. So he was probably 55 and he hadn't, he's been sitting in a taxi for eight hours a day for 20 years. So I overpowered him in the car crawled between the seats, pushed him out of the car, tried to drive the car, couldn't drive a stick from 1963. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's a VW bug, you know, Beetle yeah. from 63. So there's a clutch and there's yeah. a shifter and I, I'm just, and I'm panicking. So yeah. I, I can't do that. Take the keys out, throw the keys, start running back toward where I came from. And I'm a, you know, a white dude wearing a button down shirt and Banana Republic chinos. Nobody's stopping because oh. I'm sweating through his clothes oh. in, in the nighttime in Mexico City. Finally, this guy stops with like a 20-year-old girl in the car. I assumed it was his daughter. Now, retrospect, probably his girlfriend because that's uh. how they roll down there sometimes. Uh. And I was like, look, I will ride in the trunk. I will ride in the trunk. I don't care. Just I will do anything. Just get me out of here. So finally, they let me ride. They didn't make me ride in the trunk. <laughs> they let me ride in the car. And I said, take me to the police. And they were like, uh, no. If we take you to the police... They might be involved in this. They might extort you. Also, what happened to the cabbie back there? You said you just fought him. Is he alive? And I was like, I don't know the answer to any of these wow. questions. So he dropped me off at a mech. He said, I'm not even going to take you home because I don't want to know where you live. Wow. So I t- he took me to a metro station. I took the metro. I went back to uh, where I had my passport. I got my passport and all my stuff, and I vanished. And that family emailed me and was like, where are you? And I, was, I replied because I didn't even have their email. They only had mine. This is, again, 2000, AOL email. <laughs> I replied, had to move back home. And then the woman goes, the girl who, was, who found me the home goes, what happened? Because she worked in the presidential offices. And she goes, what happened? And I I said, "Uh, I don't really want to tell you, uh, but I can't stay in town. And she's like, okay, no problem. Tell me the story one day, basically. And I I just never went back. (laughs) So that's the story. In case you're wondering where I went. Shout out to what's your name. That's where I went. I I don't remember. It's been 17 years. And it happened again? So five years later, uh, I'm in another country, in Serbia. I had a a fellowship from the defense department to learn Serbian. And I also had a a job teaching English and the, the fellowship that I had was, well, it's, it's a fellowship from the department of defense, which looks shady (laughs) to Serbians. It doesn't look shady. If you're in Germany, you have a fellowship from the DOD because whatever, you know, we're on friendly terms. Serbia, we just gotten done bombing them. Kosovo was a huge mess. 
And I kept leaving the country and coming back because I have visas and stuff and I'm traveling around. And when you come back to a socialist country like Serbia, you have to register with the police and tell them where you live if you're a foreigner. And you have to show them your passport and the person who you're living with. You can't live on your own. The person you're living with has to show up with you and vouch for you and write out a form and all this stuff. Well, one day I, I got on a flight late. I show up to the police station around 10 or 11 and the guy who I'm living with says, I'll just come back tomorrow and sign the form, but you have to register with the police. They did a shift change. They decided that since the cop who came on decided since I was there at 11 p.m. at night, I must have done something wrong. So he locks me in a jail cell with all these prostitutes that are chain smoking and speaking Roma, you know, gypsy language. Males or all females? night, females. females. All night. And they're just annoying and I'm just smelling this foul, unfiltered cigarettes. And I thought, never again. This is BS. I'm, re- I'm following your rules and you lock me up? Like, no wonder people hate the government here. You know, this is BS. So I decided I'm not going to register anymore. And so when I left the country the next time, I just didn't register. And then I didn't register and I didn't register. And they kept showing up to the place where I was registered before. And my friend was like, hey, you got to move because the cops are coming here and they're looking for you and you're not here. And they said, if, if you don't unregister from my house and re-register somewhere else, they're going to arrest me. Oh. So I unregistered wow. from her house. I, this is not the United States, right? Yeah. I unregistered well, from her someday. house. Yeah, close. Close. You never know. <laughs> We're getting warm. You never know. I unregistered from her house and I didn't re-register. I just was like, here's a fake address. Go fly a kite. I'm sick of you, you know, stupid bureaucratic idiots. So I go to a music festival a few months later and there's there they have like their secret service kind of, but their state security there is not like our FBI. It's people who worked in Bosnia or Croatia or parts of Serbia that no longer exist, Kosovo people, militia guys that probably have war crimes under their belt that now have to live in Serbia, PTSD, drug problems, all kinds of unresolved trauma, and they're not able to be prosecuted because they don't want to have to extradite these people to Bosnia to go to prison or get... So they know, use executed. them as a little army now. So they use them as like... Secret police. Secret police. Yeah. And, they're, and they drive black you know, jeeps. SS. Yeah, yeah, they they drive black jeeps with government plates, and everybody's like, "Oh, sh- you know, these guys are coming. Just get out of here." It's an interesting Nobody model, by the way. The, the SS probably was a bunch of traumatized guy from the first world. War. For sure, yeah. yeah. Why not? They yeah. were all older and educated. Yeah, and- so it's interesting. It's probably the same kind of person you were dealing with. Everything Very possible. Old is new again. Mm. But it's, anyway, what happened? So they start. They're they're looking through the crowd. They're looking for people and um, looking they, people to what. They're just harassing people. They were harassing a lot of the women, actually. And women were screaming and running away, and then cops were there, and then they told the cops to go away, and the cops went away, and the festival organizers were bugging them to get out of there. Because they're driving around on an island where uh, at this festival where there are no cars allowed. Wow. So they were just being dumb dumbasses. It's like Hell's Angels. And, uh, yeah, says. with badges. Yeah. And so they got my friend, and my friend was with a bunch of uh, girls that we were with, and so... That basically led to them talking with me, and then did you speak Serbian at that point? I did, but I didn't speak Serbian with them. I oh, okay. I wanted to hold that advantage so that I could hear what they were saying. Uh. If if they would say something like, "Oh, you know, we're just gonna let these guys go," I want to know that. I don't yeah. want them to have to put on a show. I yeah. want them to think I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. So they were talking with us. They took us to another place uh, that was like a safe house where we later went with a. Uh, the uh, other security guys, because that's when we identified where they took us. That's where it was. They said this is a safe house for informants and stuff. They took us there, 
because um, spoiler alert, I, we we get out of there. <laughs> but they took us there, and they were they, my friend was one of these guys who was like, "Do you know who I am?" And they were like, "You know, let's beat <laughs> you into a pulp." Uh-oh. And I just started talking. I was talking, talking, talking about food, politics, everything. They were super angry, but you know, the, the trick is remain calm, as calm as possible. Yeah. Don't let them get the to get an emotional rise out of you because that escalates things. You know more about that than me. I don't really yeah. know how that works. No, but, you do. You've been there. But uh, it, it escalates, and so I was super calm, and they're saying things like, you know, what are you doing here? We're calling people on your phone, and they were using my phone to call friends of mine and saying, we got your spy, and it's like, what? My English teacher or my tenant? You know, what are you talking about? So they're, they're, they're calling, and they're calling their office to try to see, because I'm unregistered. That's uh, one of the reasons they decided we can take you, because you're unregistered. So I'm, now, now everyone knows what a non-registered foreign agent is. Thanks, Michael Flynn. Uh, but before that, nobody knew what that was. So I was yeah. essentially an unregistered foreigner, like an illegal alien yeah. in the country that had DOD connections. So they just assumed I was running around spying, not that they know anything about that. So they're, they're, we're talking about that, staying as calm as humanly possible, and I keep asking them if they know certain people and trying to get their logical brain going so that they can't, the guy can't stay mad. My friend's taking a different tactic and getting his ass kicked, and eventually the guys, my guys really calmed down, but his guy says, look, this guy's got a big mouth. I'm going to shut it for him. Uh-oh. And I said, okay, this is going to go sideways. So I said, look, I feel sick. I want some water. I, I want to – I need some water. I'm feeling really terrible. I can't keep talking. I'm losing my voice. I need water. And I knew that there was no water in that place because there were pipes sticking out of the wall and like rusty stuff. So he said, fine, I'll go get some. I think I have some in the Jeep. Don't move. So he goes out to the Jeep and then I hear the engine start and I hear the other door shut and I hear the engine start and I realize they're both in the Jeep. So I grab my friend, we wait for the Jeep to get out of sight, and we run towards another restaurant, which is several blocks away, that we saw when we were driving there. And the waitress comes up, and she sees we're covered. I mean, we're, my friend's bloody, covered, you know, he's bruised, bleeding everywhere. Um, and she sees us, calls the regular police who come and get us, who arrest us immediately. And they're like, you junkies, are, what are you doing? And we tell them what happened. They didn't believe a word of it. Uh, and then they said, what do you mean the state security did this to you? And then we described the Jeep and the license plates, and they were like, oh, wow, that's really bad. And then the guy, they were making phone calls, and then we go to the police station. The captain says, I heard that these guys in this Jeep did this to you. Tell us you know, what's going on here because we think you're lying. And I said, how would I know what your state security Jeeps look like? And then he goes, all right, hold on, because he didn't speak uh, English very well, the police captain. And my Serbian at this point was, eh, it was all right. I can understand a lot more than I could speak. So he calls his girlfriend, who's a German teacher. Oh, Jesus. I explain everything in German. I ask her if she knows my boss, because I used to teach English there. As a, as a, and she says, yeah, I do. She calls my old boss. In Germany. Uh, no, uh, sorry, in Serbia, oh, who, was, Serbia. who I was teaching uh, in, in English. English. And she... It freaks out because they've been calling her saying, we have your spy. Because the phone just says boss in Serbian yeah. is her entry. <laughs> so she is freaking out. She goes, oh, my God, they have this. He's not a spy. He works for me. Those two sort of know each other through language conferences. Oh so she tells the captain to cut us loose. Who He, do- he does cut us loose. The, a detective escorts us back, and we end up going to the U.S. Embassy back in Belgrade. And we how, did got they, a, how did they not get you in trouble for not registering? Um, that Well, they were so worried that we were going to make a big deal out of getting beat up by their oh. state security. We actually got an apology from the foreign minister of Serbia. Oh, my God. And, uh, and the U.S. Embassy was of zero help other than just making sure we got out of there. 
Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And we saw those guys again. Those security guys came back to give us our phones and <laughs> and our uh, watches. The guys back. who beat them up. They came back. And they were like, what's up, guys? Oh, we're not having fun anymore. Here's your watch and your phone. And I was just like, wow, nobody's going to help That's us. That's old school. There's They'd- parts of L.A. that are like that. <laughs> it was like they weren't like we're hiding. We're going to deny it. They no, were just like, what no. are you going to do, you yeah, punk? Yeah. Nothing. And it just felt like there's a feeling of just being violated that just invulnerable. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm, it's definitely not the worst way that that can happen to you for sure. Um, but I'm, it, it's not a good feeling. You feel like you just have no well, helplessness. Right. Help, helplessness is a horrible human. We, yeah. we come from hated, a very hated. civilized kind of logical society. Right. And there's a lot of non logic in, in different countries brazil i lived in brazil it's very oh man you got to know which way the wind blows there's no real government there's just laws of favelas and streets oh man yeah you know what i mean and as long as you stick within the cultural laws (laughs) you're fine how do you find out what those are is it we have to have good friends that teach you like don't do this don't say that um, one thing that I was told is, yeah, you can go through the favelas. Don't make any eye contact. Walk Jeez. like you know where you're going. Now, and now, so, it's because I wanted to see it. So you yeah. had, you've had all these Jeez. different diverse experiences and different cultures. And what do you make of what's happening here now? This freaks me out more than I think it freaks out the average person from Michigan who now lives in California. Because when I talk to my friends – or I should say, when they talk to me, my friends from Serbia are hitting me up, people who moved there from Russia or people who lived in East Germany who grew up in Russia, Soviet Union. They're going, why aren't you paying more attention to this? And I'm thinking, well, I am. This being what? This being, hey, it's not normal for your cabinet members to be colluding with enemy countries or countries that are not directly allied with you and then not telling people about it. It's definitely not normal for there to be business interests this deeply entrenched and for people to lie about it. That's what they do in Turkey. That's what they do in the Soviet Union. Vladimir Putin well, is all in business. Who's been to the White House and who hasn't? Right. I mean, these <laughs> and like to have the chief diplomat who is a spy recruiter from the Flip. Russian embassy. So, sorry, uh, uh, Kisilyak, the no. Russian ambassador whose job it is primarily is to run at one at least one primary job is to run espionage run spies he's in the white house with a photographer from russia and no i mean hello the secret service must be tearing their hair out and whoever's in charge of securing these facilities must be tearing their hair out because some guy from the, the russian embassy came with a camera and electronic gear to film in the oval office they're probably still sweeping that place for Stuff, yeah, and so it's just not normal for this to happen. It's not normal for these the 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 level of untruth is normal for politics, but the business and the money plus can't trust this guy, and then firing that guy, and then hiring your family members. For us, it's all new, but for Soviet Union kids growing up in the Soviet Union, the Caucasus, East Germany, Stasi, and secret police, and things like that, they've seen this movie before. Many times it always leads in this other this bad direction, and we're kind of like, oh yeah, what a jerk. It's like, no, this is a real problem. But, but now people are accusing Hillary's camp of the same stuff. I, I, I interviewed somebody today. There was a kid uh, killed by, in the DNC. He was murdered. Now they're looking like a hit. 
and he's the guy that released Hillary's emails. Ugh. And they're saying now that that side has a. I, I don't know what to think. I, I don't. That's crazy, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's if it's on that both just, sides. Just, but, come on now, that has nothing to do with the head of the secret police from Russia being right. in the Oval Office, Drew. That's not the same as some gossip and hearsay uh, about somebody. If you're making it seem like the same thing. No, it's I'm just saying. I don't know what to believe anywhere anymore. But, yeah, I well, agree, here's yeah. here's what's they interesting though. There's such a division in this country that nobody seems to care about honor anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, honor. And when you have how no about, honor how about, how or about just pragmatism, yeah, what helps people. Well, but the military is about honor oh. and about honoring the, the mm. Constitution. And that has been lost out of the divisiveness. That's well, what that's, shocks well, me the most. Well, that's where that woman released those uh, those documents. She was with the NSA or whatever, and she released oh, yeah. top-secret documents. She, what's her there. name? Like Charity? Yeah. Reality yeah, Winner? Yeah, Reality, reality Winner. winner. God. She, yeah. But... But that idea that that's an nothing, honor issue. You, nothing yeah. matters. you take top secret clearance, you go, eh, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to me. Woo. Yeah. Ah. Although, on the other side, is that whistleblowing? I mean, I didn't look at what she released, actually, so I don't no. know. If she was whistleblowing, it's like, well, okay, maybe the honorable thing was to leak well, something. Now we're getting into whose ox is being gored. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I Aren't don't you know. supposed to protect whatever they tell you to protect? Is yeah. That the, you know? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a very you know, strange time. I don't. Here's, here's one thing. I think that if this doesn't change course, I will not live in this country when I die. That's Where are you going to go? That's how, what do you think you're going to do? To some, uh, well, most of my friends, two of my friends, we've had them on the podcast and moved to Bali. There is nice. some neutral kind of, you know, there's Switzerland's all over the, the world. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, things will blow up way later. But this kind of divisive yeah. and hate, I just can't be around it. And you can close your head in the sand like I've done the last yeah. couple months. But anytime you want to have an intelligent dialogue like I tried to last night, it's impossible. It's funny you should mention that you might move because when I talked about this, I've been thinking about this for months and months. When I talked about the same thing with my parents, my mom said, so many people sacrificed a lot of things so you could move here. And I said, okay, well, let's explore that. Why did they do that? Well, they lived in countries where they didn't feel like they could you know, express themselves and they weren't free. <laughs> and you know, they felt like the majority disagreed yeah. with them and they didn't share their values. And I said, so if that were the case in any here. country, you would recommend yeah. moving? And she was just like, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> Eat your salad. Shut up. You know? And it was just like, yeah, because look, if I, it, maybe I don't fit in anymore i don't know i don't know well unfortunately it's it's much like the people that choose not to have kids those are the ones i want to have kids yes and and so i I would like you guys to stay well we need you here that's kind of what i'm doing you have children not yet okay so i have two small children I, i always tell this story so we talked about it on this podcast after the election children at my son's school were crying the next day how old because six seven eight nine because their parents had filled their heads with all the whoa, the world is. Oh, ending, now you're all going right? to die in a death yeah, camp. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Tommy. And so then that sprang over a period of weeks to kids on the playground picking on darker skinned kids, saying no. they're going to be deported. Yes, in oh, Progressive Los Angeles. So I went to the parent meeting with the principal. She responded appropriately, and they had counselors there, and they they dealt with it, I thought, well, and it went away, and it wasn't a problem the rest of the year, starting in November, the end of November. Mm -hmm. She now was dismissed as principal at the end of the year after school ended because there was a group of parents who felt she didn't respond firmly enough to the racial slurs that were said on the campus. That's the world we're living in now. 
where parents, a small group of parents, can decide things. And this is a wonderful principle. So I wrote emails, and a bunch of us parents wrote emails to the superintendent, who I was shocked wrote me back. Mm. And they're having a hearing about it. But now it's blown up in such a thing. Now everyone just wants to walk away and the woman move on and principal in another school over some horrible parenting by some progressive parents here in Los Angeles. And that, in in a world like that, where you're dealing with stuff like that every 45 minutes or hour or three hours or five hours. That's our version of the Gestapo, uh, by the way. That just has to stop. And that's where you get, that's why we have Donald Trump. Because people are so tired of that. They really are. And then they're afraid to tell you. They won't. I know lots of people that have actually taken polls and won't be honest about who they're voting for. That's why they can't do polls anymore. Right. It's because it's like, they, I don't want to say. I yeah. don't want to say because I know what's going to happen. The thought police is going to show up and <laughs> lose my job. Yeah. And, and so that, that's what's. That, if that, you use logical, reasonable things, there was a problem at our school. Our administration dealt with it fine and it went away. End of story. Not just keep week after week, month after month, soliciting the school district. She didn't respond well enough. That's We're so not crazy. satisfied. Well, go to a college campus. It's fascism. It's the new fascism. Or it's the other, what's the, 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 the yeah, fascism or regressive left. Yeah. Social justice warriors. Yes, SJWs. social justice warriors. That's what, yeah. what is it called? So, SJW. It's a new thing. Social, social justice warriors? Yeah. Like, we don't want Milo to speak, so we're going to burn down the campus because we don't, we're offended. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, you're offended that he wants to speak. That's fine. You can be offended. No, we're going to do what the other side would normally have done. But they didn't, but, not yeah. doing, but we need to do it because it's yeah. for us and we need to do it. And so and, this is, this is, I share your, yeah. this is frightening stuff. Yeah. And everybody's joking about it. And I'm, t- I'm really tired of all the tele- late night talk shows joking about it. It's not a joke. Not anymore. Not what's going well, on with your kids' kindergarten. That's sad. Well, yeah, I don't have So, kids, Susan, so any, anything on Facebook Live? <laughs> Um, I think you guys are just doing such a good job that everybody's listening. Um, <laughs> Bo- both of them. They're both listening. <laughs> yeah, the, the 22 oh, let's, people. Let's do the art of, no, I the art have, of charm and tell them how great everything no, is. No, I do have one question. I do have one question. I saw a number of headlines from reputable publications stating that psilocybin mushrooms is the safest drug. Yeah. I took a small dose a year ago and it triggered a panic disorder, Ooh, yep. can do which that. in yeah. turn triggered a suicidal depression. Oh boy. I had to go on ADs and clonopin and a year later I feel better. I know I'm in the minority, but people need to know. Okay, that is the first I've the second I'm off clonopin, he says. Okay, well, that's the second adverse outcome I've seen from psilocybin. Really? But 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 I've certainly heard hundreds and thousands of Can cases. Can I finish where, the question really quick so he gets his answer? Let me just finish here. Says, thousands of cases where it has not had adverse event. And it, it, what he said here, it's the safest, not the safest drug, safest of the hallucinogens, which are all dangerous. Is that no? But what oh, is the but what is the VA using for for I'll PTSD? Tell you in a second. I'll tell you in a second. Well, Go his ahead. question was, will the panic return when I get uh, off three three hundred yeah. milligrams venafaxine yeah. and three hundred be. Okay. Once you sort of open the circuitry on panic, it's kind of there. But it tends to it tends to go away as you age. So as you hit your thirties and do some therapy and whatnot, hopefully it will diminish dramatically. Watch the withdrawal from venlafaxine. There's a significant withdrawal center from that. MDMA is what they're using for PTSD, and they're using acid for uh, impending death. 
dealing with death and dying. Oh wow! Uh, and that's kind of interesting because who cares if it's dangerous? Because right, they're going to die yeah, anyway. And yeah. So if it helps people with the dying process, oh, yeah. Fine. But I'm just thinking if I'm spending my last four hours here and I'm on a bad trip, I, I yeah. Well, it's not I'm that taking, impending. I've taken a lot of acid. Yeah, it's not that impending. <laughs> you can have a good time and you can have a not so good time. Yeah. Jeez. But there, there's set there, and setting. And then there's microdosing of there's all this stuff out there. But in, in my humble opinion, all who, and I've seen and I've spoken to people that do microdosing and they they all are, they like it. It works. It's correcting their mood. When I really ex- drill into what's going on with them, they're treating PTSD, not mood. I tried microdosing and I didn't like it at all. Yeah. So you were probably were you trying to you treat mood or something? Or no, I was. Just, I, yeah, I was just. Everyone's like, "This is the most amazing thing yeah. ever." But I don't have problems with motivation or getting up. You're and also working. you're also not a trauma survivor. No, no, not, no. not a childhood trauma survivor. No, no. I guarantee you. Talk to those people. You have to drill drill it out of yeah, them. Yeah, that's but interesting. But you'll see some trauma stuff there. And I think that's what it's actually treating. For me, it only felt like I had too much coffee, which is a crap feeling. And mm-hmm. I immediately said, "This and, is overrated." And, and it may be da- dangerous. Yeah, it not may be worth significantly it. dangerous. We just don't know. Not worth it. So for I, me. I, all I know is that hallucinogens seem to be neurotoxins. The question is: it as a threshold dose, or is it always that way? Don't know. I've seen horrible things from from. I've seen you back before I knew you. When I was doing all the medical stuff at the psychiatric hospital, we had beds and beds and beds filled with the carnage from the 60s. And people, some of these people end up in nursing homes. They're in their 40s. Yeah. It was bad. It was oh, bad they were stuff. in AA, too. They were pretty trippy. <laughs> Is it? I mean, so when you create these neural pathways, just like you do with habits, good and bad. Talking about panic now? Uh, yeah, panic, for example. Or just taking... Or schizophrenia it creates, too. That's so a different thing, but Sid yeah. Barrett, Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd is the most famous case of it. A high-functioning guy, great, creative, outgoing. He gets obsessed with LSD, starts taking, taking, becomes schizophrenic, ends up living with his Ugh. mother for 40 years. Yeah, and so the right? question is, so what, these, is, these, that, is that a hallucinogenic psychotic disorder? Is that causing schizophrenia or is it bringing out schizophrenia? Right. We don't know. We don't know. We don't yeah. know. That so. makes sense. That's scary because it's almost like you just don't know what's locked in there and your brain's the brain, got compartmentalized. Forget, forget locked in. Your brain is such a delicate organ. Yeah. It's, it's this micro, you know, angstrom level. It's sitting in fluid and in why your would skull. You, why would you screw <laughs> with it? Why would you? It's so yeah. delicate already. It's, <laughs> it's just so tempting to always try to make something a little better. That, <laughs> right? Yes, but... That's what people are thinking. I'm well, not saying yes. that it's working. And, and and unfortunately, people really don't haven't studied biology, and they certainly have zero clinical experience. They just do horrible, horrible choices. Uh, are you up? Uh, are you looking at us, uh, Miss Producer? I'm looking at you. Is, oh, is yeah. it time for us to wrap this up? Oh, shoot. Oh. That was really well, fast. I, st- yeah. I, still didn't get to, I still didn't get to the part past the girl part. Past the so, girl? So did it work in business? That's what I want to know. Yeah, the relationship stuff works really great in business, of course. We have a group in right now doing our live program in L.A. But we have a live program where people come in from all over the world, and they stay in these two houses that are connected here in West – well, there in West Hollywood. We have Green Berets in there right now. So the Uncle Sam sent in some of their Green Beret instructors so wow. that they can learn – the nonverbal communication stuff and bring it back to their unit, who then hopefully is going to send more guys. We had SEAL Team 6 come through, or some of the guys from SEAL Team 6 come through before the Bin Laden mission. Wow. Don't exactly know why. They didn't tell us who they were, nothing. We found out after. Um, was there, any, are there are there differences in these different kinds of groups that come through? I mean, you can really... see the differences in the people that come through, but most of the people that come through are individual clients. So you'll have a guy who's like, "Yeah, I got divorced and I'm 45, and when I started dating, the internet didn't exist, or something like that." Right? But but, but is do you have to tailor what you're teaching them to the particulars of that? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everybody, we keep no, classes. But you at got 10. into it originally to network and to Correct. introduce clients. That is an art that I've learned about the last five years. There's a whole world of that world here in Los Angeles, New York, and London. Oh, yeah, it's here especially, whole, yeah. And I'm apparently naturally good at it. I can see that. I can see that. So far, and, I don't know. And I've never done it. Well, but, you might hit up against his limits and he could join your class. I know. I'm thinking, will the class help me finalize this yeah. frontier? Once you hit the wall, right. man, let me know. <laughs> So, so do a little more about your about your stuff. Who do you want to show up? Do you want people to find you somewhere? Let's let's sure. Give it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're already listening to a podcast. I would appreciate people checking out the Art of Charm podcast. We've interviewed sh- smart people all over the place. You're, you're coming on eventually. We had Neil deGrasse Tyson come on and talk about keeping your curiosity from when you're a child so that you can use it as an adult. Shaq, come on to talk about the panel that we just mentioned. Uh, we had General McChrystal come on and talk about making tough decisions. There's a guy that makes some tough decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a lot of folks like that. I, mean, it, you know, I want to come on and talk about in- intuition. Have you guys yes. have you seen the that. documentary HBO did about octogenarians? Carl Reiner, Betty White, non-agenarians. Yeah, non-agenarians. So interesting. Most of them just love life and they're active and they do shit the ones that are left every day yeah but they're (laughs) saying that doing stuff every day is what's carried them from 80 to 95 i believe that yeah i can take you to a nursing home and show you some ones that are not so good and are they they, but what they didn't get cast they're also yeah they're also 93 but they don't talk to you (laughs) okay so and for a long time have you seen the documentary no but but i I do believe there is that subset of curiosity norman interest norman Norman lear's in it also on podcast one oh good you're welcome norman yeah Mm -hmm. so you should watch it i watched it the other night i love it all right, so uh, that'll do it for this podcast. I really appreciate it being It's very fun. Always Thank good to talk you. to you. Yeah. I'm dying to get in your podcast. I want to go to Belgrade that. now. Yeah, we want to go to Belgrade. I've got some police. Get, they'll pick you up from the airport. <laughs> Sasha's Serbian. You, you could, I know. You could, she's, you, yeah. you could take Papa her. Papatito. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Remember, you can find all these podcasts at drdrew.com. The Dr. Drew Podcast, the This Life Podcast, and the Adam and Drew Podcast, which is available five days a week. Find them all on iTunes and rate us five stars. Subscribe and get it first. And if you're really happy, click on the Amazon banner at drdrew.com to help support the show. We'll thank you for it. If you join the email list via drdrew.com slash contact, we'll send you a weekly infusion newsletter with Dr. Drew's News. We're so grateful when you get in touch. We read all your emails and we'll bring you the subject matter you want to hear about. You live.